You are now listening to the First Baptist Church of America's podcast. If you have any questions about our church, please check us out online at fbcamericas.org. This week we continue our journey through John's Gospel in John chapter 14 with the message, Activating the Power of the Other Advocate, where Brother Keith opens up for us the way we should view the Holy Spirit. Let's listen in. Amen. When you get a new credit card, what do you have to do? You have to activate it call that number or go online, somehow you activate that card so that you can use it and use it wisely. Uh, Or some computer programs, you have to uh, activate it in order to use all the functions of that particular program. Most of you came to church this morning in a car or a truck. What did you have to do before you drove it? You had to activate it. You had to start the engine or crank it up, we used to say, or we still do. But how long has it been since since you've cranked a truck or a car? That's one of those holdover terms. But we had to activate the engine in order to utilize all the functions and the power of that vehicle. Without it, without that engine working, your car or your truck is useless except for something to sit in. That's all you can do in it is just sit in it. You could sleep in it, I guess, but that's not the purpose of a car or a truck. Power is necessary and activation of that power is required. Without divine power, our Christianity is just something to sit in. You ever thought about that? It's just something to appease us and just something to to sit in but we will be weak and ineffective because that's not our purpose to just sit in our Christianity but with his power we'll be strong we'll be effective and most importantly we'll bring glory to God which is our purpose to glorify God And you might ask, why is divine power necessary if God's grace covers me? Because trying to live the Christian life without His power is like sawing a log with a chainsaw and not cranking it up. You've heard that analogy before. If you're trying to cut a tree down with a chainsaw, but you don't start the engine on that saw. Well, in the Bible passage today that Mr. Bobby has read for us, John relates the words of Jesus as he tells his disciples about his advocate, the one he is sending who is available to every Christian for daily living in this world, for everyone. And in this passage, I want to point out who he is, what he does, and how to activate His power in your life. Who He is, what He does, and how to activate His power in your life. Now, Jesus is teaching His disciples still. He's in the upper room the night before His crucifixion. So He's giving final teaching, His final instructions. For a little over three years, Jesus and His disciples had been ministering and walking through Judah and Galilee. But the time had come for him to leave this world and return to his father. He would die, be resurrected, and then ascend back to the father, leaving the disciples here in this world 
to continue his ministry that he started with them. So Jesus is leaving them so that they can continue what he started. And even though he would leave them, he would be with them. Now, how in the world is that possible? Even though he is leaving them, he will be with them. Well, it's possible through the divine power that is God's Holy Spirit. Now, how can we preach and speak and teach about God's Holy Spirit, such a mysterious part of the Trinity? How, well, how can we speak about God or Jesus? But His Word tells us and teaches us. God's Holy Spirit, the other advocate. So, first of all, who He is. If we looked at the different translations that you brought in here this morning, we would find different words to identify His Spirit. And I will ask the Father and He will give you another advocate. That word advocate. In some of your translations, it's comforter or helper or counselor or friend or advocate and others. The latest version of the NIV is advocate. I think the Pew Bible has counselor. But there are many different words to describe what Jesus said he would send another advocate. And that's an indication that the original term is so multifaceted that no one English word can capture its full meaning. Therefore, we have all these different words trying to tell us who the advocate is. The term Jesus used means one who is called in, one called to come alongside to help or to assist. And so Jesus is leaving, but he promised to send another advocate. And this advocate is none other than his Holy Spirit. Now notice that Jesus speaks of the advocate as a person. Verse 17, for instance, says, The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be, with, will be in you. He versus it. How many times do we talk of the Holy Spirit and we speak of it? The Holy Spirit. I served with a pastor in Quitman who made a point to say Holy Spirit instead of saying the Holy Spirit. And he tried the best he could to refer to God's Holy Spirit as a person because that's who He is. The third person of the Holy Trinity. One God, but three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, the point is that the advocate that Jesus would send was not a ghost of the mind. Not at all, but rather a distinct spiritual person. Because He's a distinct spiritual person he can only be perceived spiritually that's why the world cannot accept him as we're told here the world can't accept him because he's spiritually discerned notice also that Jesus said I will send you another advocate another here means another of the same kind sometimes we'll buy something new because we didn't like the old like you might buy a new car my dad always bought Buicks. But every time he bought a new car, it was a new Buick or a used Buick usually. Never one of a different kind like a Ford. But you do the same thing. You'll try another kind. But what Jesus is saying here, he is sending another of the same 
kind, the same essence. Jesus said in verse 17 that the one to come is the spirit of truth. Last week we talked about Jesus' claim to be the way, the truth, and the life. That He is truth. And just as Jesus is truth, so is the Holy Spirit truth. Because He is of the same essence as Jesus and God. So who is He? The Advocate is the Holy Spirit. The Living Spirit, the Living God. Now that's who He is. What does He do? God's Holy Spirit has been active from eternity past with the Father and with the Son. And so He does whatever God does and whatever Jesus does, which is primarily to give and sustain life. He gives life. Just notice with me all that Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit does and will do. He helps you. He will be with you. He will live with you. He will be in you. He reveals Jesus. He helps you realize truth. He teaches you all things and reminds you of everything Jesus said. And He comforts you as an agent of God's peace. All this and so much more that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And it's available to everyone who trusts the first advocate, Jesus Christ, as Savior. That's what He does. And for how long is He our advocate? How long does He do this? Well, the end of verse 16. Forever. Forever. He is always with you. He is forever with us. Have you ever tried to talk to customer service with AT&T or Verizon or some big corporation? And you're talking to somebody and you're making progress, but you get disconnected. And you will never get back to the original person who was helping you. As much as you try, you won't get back there. That's never a problem with Holy Spirit because He's always and forever available to those who have trusted the first advocate, Jesus Christ. Now, think about the disciples here. And in this setting, Jesus is about to leave them. And maybe for the first time, they're realizing that Jesus is going to be gone. Do you think they took notes about everything He said over the last three years? No. Do you think they will remember everything He said over the last three years? These are men. No. But His Holy Spirit will come to them and will teach them all things, it says right there, will teach them all things and remind them about everything Jesus had already taught them. That's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit. To teach us and to remind us. And that is exactly how the New Testament came to be. The Holy Spirit reminding them about what He had taught and um, teaching them all things, all new things. Now think about our culture. We live in a divided and angry culture. How do you know whose opinion is right? How do you know? Well, if God's Spirit teaches us all things, why not seek and follow what He teaches and dismiss all the rest as opinions? Why not do that? If we trust the Holy Spirit, if He is the same essence as God and Jesus and He is truth, then why not trust what He's teaching us? 
And leave all the opinions to be just what they are, opinions. And seek his truth. Well, for the disciples, the Holy Spirit would do everything in them and through them that Jesus did while he was walking with them. He would continue to do what Jesus did while he was with them. And he does the same for all believers. But it's not automatic. And that's the third thing I want to point out. How to activate his power in your life. Because you're a Christian if you have accepted Jesus, but His power flowing through you is not automatic. So how do we get it? Well, let me first say that I think the Bible makes a distinction between the indwelling of God's Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 17 makes a distinction. But you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. Every believer has the Spirit of God, but not every believer is filled with the Spirit. When a person accepts Jesus as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells that person immediately. But the Holy Spirit's activity in that person's life is up to that individual believer. The way the Holy Spirit flows through us is up to us individually. Let's go back to the illustration of the car and the engine. It's like having a, an engine in your car. and Most of your cars have an engine. Okay, So you've got an engine, but if you don't start the engine, it doesn't do you any good. Or it's like having a compressor on your refrigerator, but you don't plug it in. That compressor doesn't do you any good. Those are willful acts that activate the power. I'm going to plug in the refrigerator. I'm going to start the car. I'm going to start the saw. See, those are willful acts that activate the power. Now, remember that the Holy Spirit is the same as Jesus. And therefore, He doesn't force Himself on anyone. Jesus never forced Himself on people. They would ask, what is required of me, uh, the rich young ruler? But they would walk away. Jesus would let them walk away. And if the Holy Spirit is the same essence as Jesus, He will not force Himself on anyone. But to everyone who is willing, the Holy Spirit will be everything to that believer that Jesus is. So here's the question. How do I activate the power of God's Spirit in my life right now? Well, I think Jesus gives us the answer to that in this passage. One thing I've learned about Bible study is to watch for repetition. If the Bible says one thing about something, that's enough. Because God's Word is truth. And so one time is enough, but if it repeats something we need to pay attention to it and in this passage there's something that's repeated four times and I think we need to pay attention to it how do we get the Holy Spirit active in our lives verse 15 if you love me keep my commands verse 21 whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me verse 23 Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. 
And then in verse 24, stated in the negative, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. I think it's pretty clear that if we love Jesus, we will obey Jesus. And that goes right back to what Laura was saying in the children's sermon. That we follow the ways of God. That's what God asks of us. And Jesus says the same thing. Should that surprise us? No, because they're the same essence. God the Son and God the Father. And Jesus is saying here, if you love me, then show me by obeying me. Show me by the way you live. Now think about the life that Jesus lived. Isn't that exactly what he did? What did he do with his Father's will? He obeyed it perfectly. So how do we activate the power of God's Spirit within us? By obeying the teaching of Jesus. Everything that Jesus said and did must be the standard by which we live. Impossible, right? Yes, but possible with His Holy Spirit in us, helping us to do it. It's possible. I like to service my own lawnmower. I have a John Deere lawn tractor, and I service it myself. And I uh, started, I've got two two by six planks, and I drive it up on a uh, wall so I can get up under it and take the blades off. And I thought, you know, that's not very safe. So I went to Lowe's and I bought a lift. You know, you put it under there and lift the front of it so you can get up under it and service it. But I went to Lowe's and I bought the thing and I brought it home and I put the carton in front of that lawnmower. It didn't do a thing. It didn't budge that lawnmower. It didn't change the blades. It just sat there. So I opened up the carton. And I saw all of those pieces. And I pulled out the parts and the pieces and I laid them out there. And I found the instructions. And for the most part, I followed the instructions. And I put that thing together. But still, nothing happened. It's sitting right there in front of the lawnmower. Nothing happened. But then, I started cranking it. And you know what? that lawnmower lifted up off the ground. And I did it with one hand. Now what was impossible became possible with the right tool. And because I was obedient to the instructions. And because I used my will and my effort. I could lift that lawnmower right off the ground. See, I think it's the same way with the Holy Spirit. That we must be willing to follow His instructions. And we have to be willing to put forth the effort to grow spiritually. Now don't misunderstand. Salvation is not by effort. Salvation is totally by the work of Jesus Christ. By your faith in Christ. Salvation is provided for you by what Jesus has done. And that's because of God's grace. But spiritual growth is another matter. Spiritual growth requires your effort. It requires your desire. It requires your will to want to grow to be like Jesus. 
without it, you won't grow. You know, sometimes we pray, God, send your Holy Spirit and change us. But if we're not doing anything to change, we won't be changed. It's kind of like praying to the Lord, Lord, would you make me fit and healthy? But we do nothing to be fit and healthy. Guess what? We're not going to be fit and healthy. And a lot of times we'll pray that, Lord, make me healthy. And we're eating Twinkies and drinking Coca-Cola and sitting on a couch. And we're asking God to make us healthy? That's not going to happen. The same way spiritually. We can pray for God to change us, but if we're not doing anything to be changed, we're likely not going to change. Somebody might say, I'm a Christian and I'm going to heaven, so why give up on what I want to do to do the things that I don't want to do? And I'd say this, because living that way does not glorify God. It glorifies yourself. But it doesn't glorify God. Jesus lived in a way that glorified His Father, and that's the way we should live. And it starts with a desire to do so. Just, I want to want that. Are you sitting in your Christianity just sitting there like you're sitting in a car that won't start? What are you doing? Not to be saved, but to let the power of God flow and work in you. It's like a muscle. If you don't ever work that muscle, it won't be strong. And that's the way we are as Christians. Remember that as Christians, we are little Christs. We are little Christs. So as Jesus proved His love for His Father by obedience, we should prove our love for Jesus by our obedience to His Word and to His ways. And we choose to live in obedience because that's how we prove our love for Him. And that is the life that glorifies God. Spurgeon said, Little faith will take your soul to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven to your soul. Little faith will take your soul to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven to your soul right here on earth. Don't you want that? Look at what Jesus promised in verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now, why would I not be troubled and afraid in this cruel world? Because God's Spirit is in me. Remember, He is the same essence as God the Father and God the Son. Why would I be troubled if God is in me? He's God. Who here does not want or does not need the peace of God in your life? I do. I want it. I need it. And we have that peace when His Spirit is active. And when we have activated His Spirit and His presence through our obedience to Jesus. Is the Spirit active in you? If you're obeying Jesus in the ways of Jesus, He is. 
But if you're not, then he's not. And you have a cold engine that has not been started. Start with a desire and then obey everything that Jesus tells us. And his Holy Spirit is there to tell us and remind us of everything that he said and beyond. It says all things. He'll teach us all things. And so God help us to do it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for how you have given us this word that um, just by itself we know everything that we need. But beyond your written word, we have your Holy Spirit, Lord, that is available because we have trusted your son Jesus. So, Lord, I'm asking that you come and that you do change us. But I'm also asking that you help us to take the steps necessary in obedience. Lord, never that it would glorify us, but always that it would glorify you. Lord Jesus, it's in his name that I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. And if you would like to know more about the steps of obedience that God calls us to, we would love to help you out with that. You can find our contact information on our website at fbcamericas.org. And tune in next week as we continue our journey through John's Gospel.